up next on Walking by Faith. Heaven is a real place. It's not a state of mind. It's not somebody's figment of their imagination. It's not a religious abstract or a philosophical concept. It's not some semi-dream. It is a real place populated with real people. There's real streets and trees and houses, right? And God lives there. Hello, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm very excited about the message. Now, what we're doing is we are unpacking the Apostles' Creed. Now, most Christians know the Apostles' Creed. It is literally the oldest creed in Christendom. About the time that the Apostle John died, we had the Apostles' Creed in the basic form we have it today. And the reason it's important is this. Jude said in the third verse, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. What Christians believe in the first century, they are to believe in the 21st century. The faith, what we believe, it was given once for all. And so often today, people approach their spirituality like a smorgasbord. Well, I'm gonna believe this, and I'm gonna live this part, but I'm not gonna accept this other part. But really, it all stands and falls together. And that's why it is so important that we understand what is it that we as Christians believe. And I want you to come with me right now as we go into this service right as it begins. So we've been going through the Apostles' Creed and making the, this confession as we begin each one of our sessions. So we're going to do that again today. And uh, I think I pointed this out before and we'll talk about it again when we get to the communion of the saints. The way that we read it today is I believe, but the original actually said we believe. We believe. Because when you become a Christian, right, it's not just about you and God anymore. How many remember that? Right? It is about you and God, but it's about you and God and a relationship with his body, the church. All right, so let's just begin. Let's confess it together. Can we read it together? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Well, today, with God's help, we're going to look at he descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He descended into hell. Acts 2, verse 27. For thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let your Holy One see corruption. And by the way, that word there, hell, should better be Hades. Right? Now, what is the difference? Uh, we're going to look at that in just a moment. But the word hell 
is not the word that's used here, but the word Hades, which is the place of departed spirits. Right? Now, hell is the word Gehenna in the Greek. And Jesus actually taught us 90% of everything we know about the subject of hell. He used the word more than anyone else. In fact, it's used, I believe it's 12 times. Jesus used it 11 times. Right? So what Jesus taught us about the subject of hell, for example, is found in the New Testament and it says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. It's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than that your whole body should be cast into hell. So really right now, I just want you to grab this. Hell and Hades are different places. They're not the same. All right. But when Jesus died, he went to the place of departed spirits. He went to the place the Old Testament refers to as Sheol. In Romans 10, Paul said, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Again, when Jesus died, his spirit went to the place of departed spirits. Now in Luke 16, Jesus gives us a picture of what happens when somebody dies. And in verse 19 begins the story. Some people call this one of Jesus' parables. I don't think it's one of his parables for a couple of reasons. First of all, never in his parables does he talk about a certain person and give a name to that person, which he does here in this parable. But he says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. And he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom literally means to have a place next to Abraham. You know, in this part of the world, in ancient times, they would, they would sit like on a floor and they would literally kind of like lean next to each other. What it's saying is he had a place next to Abraham. But what we want to notice so far is this, that when he died, his body was put in a pulper's tomb. But the real Lazarus, when he died, stepped out. And angels carried the real Lazarus to a place next to Abraham. Right? So he's with Abraham. Then it says, talking about the rich man, it says the rich man also died and was buried. I'm sure that he had the finest casket, the best funeral money could buy. But being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom or at his side. And he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in torment in this flame. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things. Likewise, Lazarus evil, but now he's comforted, you're tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. So Jesus died. And he descended to this place of departed spirits. 
Now, Jesus said, like Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, excuse me, in the great fish, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. Right? In Ephesians 4, it says, what is it that he ascended, but that he first descended into the lowest parts of the earth? So we've got a little slide for you. All right? You can see the earth. And inside the earth, there were two compartments. Right? One of them was referred to as Abraham's bosom, having a place next to Abraham. It's also referred to in your Bible as paradise and captivity. On the other side... There is another place referred to as Hades, and it's a place of torment. On the one side where Lazarus went, which is referred to again as paradise, captivity, they're comforted. But on the other side, there's torment. One side is where the righteous dead went. The other side is where the unrighteous dead went. Now you say, is Hades hell? No, it's not. But it's kind of like hell. Suppose that a person is captured by the police for robbing a bank. They take him to jail. He stays in jail. He goes to court. He's found guilty. And then he goes to the penitentiary. Hades is like jail. You go there until you stood before the judge. And you stand before the judge in Revelation chapter 20. It's the great white throne judgment. And after that, people go to hell. But nobody goes to hell without standing before the judge. So Hades is a place where the unrighteous are waiting for judgment. On the other hand, we have the other side over here, and they're waiting for their redemption. They're waiting for the price for their salvation to be paid. That's where the righteous dead went. Now notice, again, Lazarus dies, but the angels carry him. So the real you is not your body. They took Lazarus' body and they put it in a tomb. They took the rich man's body and they put it in a tomb. But what happened, angels carried them. So the real you is not your body. Now, notice that the Bible says that in Hades, the rich man lifts up his eyes and he sees Lazarus afar off and Abraham's bosom are at Abraham's side. Now, get this, he recognizes Lazarus. See, when you get to heaven, you will recognize all of your loved ones. And they'll recognize you, all right? And he says, Father Abraham, send him that he put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in torment in this flame. Now, his body is in the grave, right? But now he's lifting up his eyes and he says, I'm in torment and I want Lazarus to just put his finger in some water and put it on my tongue. So he's got eyes. He's got a tongue. Now, if he's got a tongue, how many know he's got a mouth? And if you've got a mouth, you've got a head. And if you got a finger, you got a hand and an arm, right? Okay. You say, what, what is this? His body's in the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 says, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Let me ask you, angels, for example, are spirits. So, so in Hebrews chapter 1, it makes his angels spirits. Do angels have bodies? Just a little help. Okay. It'll help. Yes, they do. Are they physical bodies? No, they're not. Now listen, you have a physical body, but you also, your spirit has a body. You say, what does it look like? You. And it's able to perceive pain the same way that your physical body, perceive pleasure the same way that your physical body can. So he's in torment, his body is in the grave, but yet right now he's just as much him. 
He has desires. He sees. He can perceive pain, pleasure. Right? Now, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go there. Therefore, he said, when he ascended on high, when Jesus arose from the dead, he led captivity captive. Let's take our picture up here again. So all of these Old Testament saints that are in captivity, waiting for their redemption in paradise, have a place next to Abraham. When Jesus arose from the dead, it says he led captivity captive. One translation says he took a host of captives with him or a train of captives with him. So when Jesus arose from the dead and he had paid for the sins of of humanity, he took all the righteous dead with him when he arose and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he first descended to the lower parts of the earth? So that part down there called captivity, it is empty because Jesus emptied it out, right? And he that descended is the one who also ascended above the heavens that he might fill all things. There's an Old Testament prophecy in Psalms about Jesus after he is risen from the dead and he's taking captivity captive up to heaven. It's in Psalms 24. It says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He had just whipped the devil sin and death. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. But while Jesus was in that part of the, in the the center of the earth, that part that the Old Testament refers to as Sheol, the part of the, the, the departed dead, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached or proclaimed to the spirits in prison, who were formerly disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. You say, what did that, what, 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 what is that all about? All right, this is what happened. Jesus died. He was made alive in spirit. He was justified. Now it said, he, you have no right to have him here. And Jesus went to the place that we refer to as Hades. Now it says the spirits that were sometimes disobedient in the days of Noah when the ark was being prepared. Now you remember then how many people were saved? Eight. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. He kept preaching, repent, 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 judgment's coming. Repent because God is going to send the seed of the woman. The Messiah is going to come. He's going to redeem us. Repent, get right with God. And people kept sinning and sinning and sinning. And Jesus crossed over and he proclaimed to those spirits, to those people who had died that were in Hades, the promise has been fulfilled. God said he would redeem you, that he would pay for sins, that the Messiah would come, that sin, death, and the devil would be defeated, and they are. And he proclaimed what had happened to the spirits who had been disobedient. Now somebody says, does that mean they got another chance? No, they just found out what happened. 
For this reason, the gospel was also to preach to those who are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. First Peter four in verse six. Say, before I get right back into today's message, I want to just take a moment and share with you one of the many testimonies that we've received from all around the world. I want you to be able to celebrate with us. This one is actually from Kano State in Nigeria. It says, I desperately needed help when I saw your program message on my TV. I heard about you telling about Jesus and why I should believe in him. Your message touched my heart. I repeated the words that you said, and now darkness has left my life. And I want you to know that Jesus has saved my life. You know, we here at Walking by Faith, we exist to save souls, heal hearts, and transform lives. And I want you to have a part in what we're doing. You know, through your prayers and your support, you're enabling us to reach into over 170 nations around the world. And when you sow, all the money that you give is going to be used to win souls, to heal hearts, and transform lives. I want you to become a partner with us. Please make the best gift that you can today. So he arose from the dead on the third day. Now, when Jesus arose, he stopped by the garden tomb. And Mary was there. She was crying because she went to look for Jesus' body, but she couldn't find it. And he said to her, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go and tell my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father, to your father, to my God and your God. So he hasn't even, he stopped by to pick up his body. Now listen, when Jesus arose from the dead, he did not just arise in a spiritual body. He picked up his physical body. A short time later, he, he goes to heaven, he comes back, he sees his disciples, and he says, look, touch me. Put your hands right here in the holes where the nails were. And he says, see, a spirit does not have flesh and bone. So he came and picked up his body, and it is a physical body, not just a spiritual body. Then in Hebrews 9, it says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered into the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So Jesus in heaven took his blood and went into the most holy place, the tabernacle in heaven, put his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And again, it tells us again in Hebrews chapter 12 that we've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. When Cain killed Abel, God said, his blood is crying out to me from the ground. And his blood was asking for vengeance, for justice. But Jesus' blood does not say justice. Jesus' blood says, forgive them, bless them, hear them, answer their prayers, receive them, deliver them. All right? Now, the single greatest fact in history is that Jesus rose from the dead. All other Christian beliefs stand on that cornerstone. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith also is in vain. And when you look at what the early church preached, Acts chapter 2, 3, 7, 10, every place you find them preaching, they are always preaching the resurrection. Preaching the resurrection, right? They're talking about the fact that Jesus defeated sin, 
death and the devil. Now, he ascended into heaven. And by the way, it's in heaven where all the valuable things are. That's where God the Father is, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's where God's city is. That's where the family of God is. That's where your loved ones that have died, that are believers, have gone. That's where the patriarchs are. That's where our true inheritance is. The Bible says your citizenship is in heaven. That's where your heavenly rewards wait for you. That's where there's true happiness, eternal joy, perfect health, and eternal destiny and assignment. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, what happens when somebody dies is we have a memorial service and we cry and we remember all the good times. But you have to understand this, that in heaven, they have a welcoming service. They, that literally, you are gathered to your, to your people. All of your friends and relatives that have made it before you, you show up and they go, ah, you made it. We weren't sure you were going to make it. You made it. Here you are. And we have got some stuff to show you because this place is unbelievable. You're gathered to your people. The Bible says that it is a place of elite company. You say, what, is, what does that mean? Well, Jesus says you will sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and I want to talk to David and Noah, but especially Adam and Eve. <laughs> I suppose by then we won't want to hit them. But <laughs> right now, I, I need prayer. <laughs> Jesus continually describes heaven as a party. And literally, the marriage supper of the Lamb is one of the first activities that takes place when we get to heaven. And for seven years, seven years, there is a party that God has been planning for at least 6,000 years. Now, how many of you know that's going to be a party? I mean, God's been planning. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we'll recognize our loved ones. They'll recognize us. And we receive a body, the Bible says, like the body that Jesus has. You say, what does that mean? Well, that means it's a perfect body. Now, you will still look like you, but perfect. No wrinkles, no, no aches, no pains, no bulging, no sagging. All right. Everything is going to be just right. Just right perfect body when we get to heaven. All right. You will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. Now the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that it's appointed for a man to die once. And after that, the judgment. Now you'll notice that when Lazarus died, the Bible says that the angels carried him. The rich man died and in Hades, he lifted up his eyes in that place of torment. So listen, when you die, you do not come back as a cow or a cat or a dog. Right? It's appointed for a person to die. And after that, the judgment, the judgment. Now, secondly, you don't stay to haunt a house. Okay. 
When you die, you are carried. You don't stay in haunt houses. You don't stay and communicate with, with people that are alive. Right? Now, somebody said, but I talked to my Aunt Mary, and she died 30 years ago. No, you didn't. The Bible, <laughs> the Bible talks about this. All right? And that, this is what they're called. They're called familiar spirits. They're evil spirits that are imposters that are familiar with information and facts about that dead person. And they pretend to be the dead person, but they're not the dead person. All right? Nobody sticks around and haunts a house. Nobody comes back as a cow or a giraffe. All right? And then also, there is, for the ungodly, there is not an annihilation. Say, well, God's just going to wipe them out and they will no longer exist. Jesus, in the same verse, said these to everlasting life and these to everlasting punishment. You can't have any everlasting heaven without an everlasting punishment. Jesus put them both in the exact same verse. Now, as you've been watching today, if God is pulling on your heart, the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you say, I need to get right with God, I need to come back to God, I want to be forgiven, I want to be a Christian, I want to invite you right now, bow your head and pray this prayer with me from your heart. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. And I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that you make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book and I want to send it to you free of charge and it'll help you keep growing spiritually. All you need to do is contact us and all the information is right there on your screen. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives across the world. We would love to hear from you. If you have a story about how God has used these broadcasts to touch your life, please email us at yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. 
If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.